Ah, peace and blessings and welcome back to the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by HeritageHipHop.com. We introduce you to your future favorite artists today while crowning our hip hop legends and introducing the new legends to come in the hip hop culture. So please follow Heritage Hip Hop by subscribing to HeritageHipHop.com. Follow us on YouTube and all social medias. Our podcasts are wherever you stream your podcast on your favorite social media platform tonight we sit with a person who not only is big in the hip-hop culture on the music team he's also a person who's worked in the streaming platforms whether he's been behind the scenes at espn or spotify tonight we talked to kai will and i can't wait for you to hear this interview so please get your popcorn ready sit back and enjoy the commentary and i'll be right back to finish the commentary after the interview. Welcome to the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. And everybody out there that's watching on YouTube, thank you. I ask that you hit the subscribe button. Anybody out here watching, hit that like button so we hit that algorithm because we want everybody to know that we're out here, number one. Number two, subscribe to HeritageHipHop.com. Follow us on all social media and more. Know that we're building this hip hop com- building this hip-hop culture one conversation at a time. Meaning, if you have a story to tell, not only are you promoting albums, but if you're ready to talk real life, more than social media, about economics, business, politics, the movies, whatever, and it affects the hip-hop culture, this is the platform you could come to to not only tell the truth and tell your truth, but to expand your horizons when it comes to what hip-hop is. Hip-hop is more than music. It is our expression of God through us, for we are God's people and our heritage is hip-hop. God's heritage is hip-hop, and that's what we bring to you. And tonight, my guest is ready. You ready? My guest is ready, so we're going to pull him right up into the um, into the conversation. What's going on, fam? Peace. How you doing tonight? Peace, peace. Doing well, beloved man. I'm happy to be here. Excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Uh, shout out to you. Introduce yourself properly to the people so they know who exactly I'm talking to. Peace and love, everyone. My name is Kyle Will. I am uh, a hip hop aficionado. First and foremost, like you said, you know that you know this is our this is our religion, if you will. You know this is hip hop. So um, you know, first and foremost, I put every I put that in everything I do. But I'm a producer, uh, media guy. I do uh, I produce podcasts for Spotify. It's been a really anybody that's been paying attention to the news and everybody that's sent me well wishes over these past couple of days, I appreciate it because it's been a really rough couple of days at Spotify and we can get into that a little bit later, but nonetheless, I've done um, the get up morning show, uh, all types of sports podcasts, formerly worked at ESPN uh, with the likes of Bomani Jones and, and so many countless other great sports minds Um and I'm a hip hop guy, man. You know, I have an album uh, called Election Day. Um, you know, it, it, it's it, it's one of my very first loves as far as the medium, the music, uh, everything that encompasses it. But like you said, everything within hip hop in general, uh, you know, all of the elements, if you will, um, is something I'm very passionate about. Uh, very long-winded way for me to introduce myself was kind of uh, <laughs> not really used to introducing myself. So I thank you for that. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, I want you to walk into this interview and feel like you're sitting on a couch in your house, not in a studio or under the under the gun. You know what I'm saying? For sure. So, so being that this is a hip-hop 
show a hip hop conversation. I personally do not ask people who's your top five and all that other type of stuff. I think it's it's okay for conversation, but for my show, I want people to get a feel of who you are and what you believe rather than things people expect for you to express. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So let's start with this when it comes to your love for hip hop. When did hip hop first call you and when did you first understand that it was calling you to be greater than just somebody who exists? That's a great question out the bat. Um, I can remember being around the culture of hip hop from a very young age. If I'm talking specifically the music, um, one of my very first introductions to what hip hop was, was really raw. My cousin, shout the master love, had uh, Ready to Die on the cassette tape. It was like the black cassette tape. And my older cousin, Tim, God bless, who, who passed away a couple of years ago, would always sneak into his room and he would play the, play the tape and play the music. But one particular part of Ready to Die piqued my interest and everybody knows the skit with Lil' Kim. And mind you, at this time, I'm probably like five years old. So I'm not really understanding, of course, what I'm listening to, but I'm also like um, intrigued, you know, and, 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 and I'm hearing that and I'm like, OK, wait a minute. OK, this is this, this is like, OK, this is this is different. But then as I got older, um, video music box was something that was very prevalent because I had a lot of older cousins. So that was something that was very prevalent. So I was watching a lot of different music videos and I was like seeing all of these different characters, for lack of a better term, and the way they were expressing themselves. Some people were drawing, some people were dancing, some people were were, were, were rapping, which I couldn't even understand what they were saying. I was so young at the time, so I couldn't really get into the actual music of it for a long time, but it was something that was uh, so intoxicating. And then I'll never forget, I was sitting in the um, living room of my grandmother's house on Vermont Avenue at the time. And a bunch of guys came into her living room with a bunch of posters and a bunch of uh, uh, boxes of cassettes and different things. As I know now, what I didn't know then was this was all promotional stuff for Lords of the Underground. Uh, and uh, that this was during the Here, Here Come the Lords first big tour. And I'm like, whoa, this is crazy because I, 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 this guy right here, I know this guy, and you know, and 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 this is, this is huge, and this is larger than life. And now I knew that this is attainable. This is something that uh, s somebody very close is doing. So then, of course, fast forward, um, you know, through, throughout my teens, I really, you know, got into the you know, the participation of hip hop, man, you know, the ciphers, the battles. And then just like anything as a kid, when you realize that you're good at something, or at least you have the ability to do something, just like dribbling a ball or, 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 or doing a layup, you get into it deeper and deeper and deeper. And then, you know, before, before I know it, I'm in the studio and, and, and I'm composing, uh, not, excuse me, not composing, but I'm writing my own rhymes and I'm making my own songs and, and things of that nature so i mean uh just just to uh, i took you down a, a, a timeline but just to go back to your initial question about five years old is when i really got introduced to this medium and was like yo this is intoxicating this is crazy this is something that i later on decided i wanted to be a part of but check this out the first five years of your life is the introduction to life itself so you were yeah. intertwined in something 
coming of age and big in the first principal parts of your life. Have you ever heard the theory of five before? No. The theory of five says from zero to five, you're born. From five to 10, you live. From 10 to 15, the world starts to become bigger and you're aware of your surroundings. From 15 to 20, your surroundings are, are, are more defined. So you want to know where you fit in. 20 to 25 is the time when now you want to put the world in your hands and figure out what you can do with it. 25 to 30, you want to find your place within the world. And in 30s until your next five sets as you develop is about how you want to bring the world under your control into your own understanding. Uh. So from zero to five, your inauguration into hip hop started with your inauguration into life itself. As you find yourself maturing, what part of the hip hop branch started to intrigue your interest the most as you developed? Mm, okay, let me make sure I understand this correctly. When you say the hip hop branch, you mean like what element of hip hop? Sure, why not? I was always gravitated most to the MCN. You know, I, I guess you could say the music, but in particular, the MCN. My name is uh, Kyrie McCow. My mom, my mother named me Kyrie McCow, and that name means uh, the you know the good, beneficent, but the good messenger. Because McCow is Michael, which is the the the, the messenger angel. And um, the, she always says, you know that 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 name became true to form because whether it be through MCN, whether it be through uh, you know, just speaking and hosting on podcasts. I've always been gravitated to using the spoken word to deliver a message. And that's the, you know, we'll get into that later, but that's the kind of music that I've always been drawn to create. So yeah, I, I feel like the, the music, but particularly the MCing is the branch that, that really piqued my interest. That's dope. You know, what's funny about hip hop. Every, element or part of it is so god-giving that sometimes we miss how it affects our lives as we develop like some of the most powerful mcs in the world have never wrote a song in their lives that we know about at least like mr minister farrakhan played an instrument he didn't really sing he did but that wasn't really his thing martin luther king we don't have any recordings of him singing unless it was church songs in him while he was preaching and I've never heard right. Malcolm X hit a 16, but their words were so moving that they made us realize that ourselves and ourself can be unified into something spectacular. Who yeah. moved you to make you realize Kyrie is not only who he looks like, but it's also what he projects into the world? It's, it's it's so many it's so many people now let me let me make sure i answer you correctly are we talking just within the culture of hip-hop or are we talking about in my life well your life has been governed by hip-hop from what we established because five years old you were, you were living within it okay no that's 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 fair because my grandfather was somebody first and foremost a commanded strong black man that his his voice that's something that that you know that that because and like you said about the other brothers, Malcolm Martin, Farrakhan, they, he also wasn't an MC, but it was something 
purposeful and it was something meaningful and, and, and beneficent and all of those things. And then when I go into uh, when I go into hip hop, I mean, hands down for me, the person that I would I can I can remember it like as yesterday sitting in, 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 in the basement of my childhood home, uh, sitting in front of the desktop computer, listening to Nas. I mean, and, and it may sound a little cliche, but I mean, I don't think that anybody that really listened to this brother for over the past, what has it been, 30 years, yeah. uh, almost 30 years, listening to, at the, at the time, a kid, I guess, you know, the 17, 18, 19-year-old kid, so prolific with the things that he said. I, I, I'll give you a perfect example. I was probably in my mid-teens, and I never knew who Ivan Van Sertima was. Never knew who he was. Mm. Uh, okay. Didn't learn a lick about Ivan Van Sertima in school, high school, grade school, whatever. And but I, I, I his name just was ringing in my head because I kept listening to this Nas track. And then a couple of my boys, you know, we we end up finding out who he is, and we find out about uh, here before Columbus. And I talked to my mom about it, who was who uh, retired, but she was a lifelong registrar for Rutgers University. And then she was telling me like, oh yeah, this this guy was here. Like he was in Newark and at Rutgers University. Like he's author, scholar, you know, th- th- teaching countless people about this stuff. And I'm like, damn, not only do I enjoy the music and then I think he's fly with his words and the way he moves, but I'm actually learning that are really like incredible knowledge about the world and about who I am and who we are as people. From listening to this guy Nas, so man, I'm I'm kind of just getting a little uh, excited and goosebumps just thinking back about it because that's the type of um, th- that's what hip hop is for me, and Nas is one of those messengers that um that that did that for me, man. Just to because you enjoy the music and you and, and you like the beats and and you and the rhymes is dope and all that all that's cool, but when you have an artist like Nas that can bring it to a higher level of understanding and really make you start. Uh, do an investigation on another level, then you start reading some of these books about, uh, you know, life in North America way before we were ever even thought of. Then it's like, I, I guess it's to the point that you made in your open about how how big hip hop really is as as a culture and a way of life for our people, bigger than just music, graffiti, breakdancing, and seeing the b boy. That's right. Hey, if y'all out there watching this interview, I told you Heritage Hip Hop, we, we serious. We do not ask fluff. And if you like it, please hit that <laughs> like button. I only see one like. We need them likes up. We want to hit this algorithm. So Shout the fluff, man. That's my dog, man. <laughs> right. So let me ask you a question. What year were you born? If you don't mind me asking. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Uh, it's, it's breaking up a little bit. Can you? I hear you now. It was breaking up for a second. Okay. What What year were you born? Eighty six. So, as you came into, as you came into your person, you are a nineties baby then. Because through the nineties, yeah, through the nineties is where the world started to make sense to you. I'm gonna ask you a yep. very a very rhetorical question. Did you know that being grafted into the 90s made you one of the rarest breeds the world has ever seen? Hmm. No, I never. It was never presented to me like that. What do you mean? 
Okay, let's look at our culture from its inception to now. The 70s to the 80s was when the world got the understanding that we existed as a culture. Right. The, the 80s to the 90s is when the doors opened, people came in to see who we are. If you notice right. how hip-hop changed from 91 to 99, those artists and the people who represented the culture at that time not only became the leaders of society, those are the go-to people when it comes to seeing the world evolve and accepting the culture itself. So yeah. to mm -hmm. quote the Shogun Assassin, what an interesting time you chose to be born because you hold within <laughs> you part of the spirit of taking things forward and not accepting the status quo. Do you agree? hundred mm, uh, percent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as you learn your hip hop, as you got into the game, Nas and et cetera, when did you start having the heart or find yourself saying, I want to do this and show the world who I am, not just do it. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I remember in 99 is, is, is a, it was a very interesting year for me in my life when it comes to hip hop because uh, this, okay, so it was at a time when I met two, two friends, uh, grade school friends, right before I went into high school. One was from South Carolina and one was from Chicago. And the reason that's, this is relevant is because one was a big No Limit fan my brother, my homeboy from Chicago, uh, Chicago, and the other one was a cash money fan. Okay. And there's the reason why this is relevant because even though me and all my friends, we love hip hop. I listen to Nas. We also love, Oh, you know, all of the, the, you know, the OGs, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm from Jersey. So of course it's, it's naughty and red and Lords and, and, and all, all those things are a little up ahead of my time at that time. But it was, it was those brothers that introduced me to these country dudes from Louisiana that um that I was like, yo, what is this? And all my friends used to get on me like, yo, why are you listening to that? That's terrible. And I used to tell them it was something about this kid, this Lil Wayne kid. But anyway, um, I would listen to that, and then and then I would get with those brothers, and they would like, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's because if they because they were outcasts, so to speak, as far as region, but they were always instill the like um, how can I say like they they would encourage me like, yo, how you 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 dope. And like, you know, even that you, I guess they were also flattered that I even piqued the interest into their music, into their world, you know what I mean? And, and what they listened to, and I, would, I wouldn't, you know, laugh at it. I was, I actually really liked it. UNLV and Baby and, and all of that. And then, and then we, and then that progressed into, we would go get tapes, like blank tapes, and we would go in the living room of, of, of my house. And my mom had the Iowa double, uh, uh, you know, where you can dub tapes and we would, mm -hmm you know, throw instrumentals on one and then record on the other one and, and, and record our little songs or whatever, our stuff. And it was like, it, 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 a moment just came during those little uh, living room uh, studio sessions, if you will, where these two brothers, which who were older than me, I believe, uh, about maybe a year, a couple months, but they would look at me like, yo, yeah, yeah, go, go. So that kind of put the battery in my back, if that makes any sense. And I'm, and, and this is 99, so I guess I'm like, 13 years old mm -hmm. and um that's when i was like yo okay and it, and that was like eighth grade i guess seventh eighth grade so now i'm going into high school and now when i go to high school i got the battery in my back 
but I'm like, okay, I can rap. Like I can do this. But then I'm meeting kids from all over the, the, the place that are, that are nice. Right. And I'm like, okay, a little bit humbling, but I'm still going to keep doing this thing. I'm still going to keep getting into these ciphers and doing this and doing that. And then maybe by 11th grade, one way or another, you just go from one cipher to another, you know, meeting different people. And I finally met this guy that had a studio, like a real studio with a booth and a microphone. And I'm like, yo, we would walk from, from high school, me and the same crew, uh, you know, my, 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 my homeboy. And then, and then shout to my brother Mies, uh, who, who got down with us later on. And we would troop that, you know, mile and a half or whatever it was to this brother's house. And we would make our little songs or whatever. I mean, I can't, I don't have any of them in my possession right now. They probably wasn't that good, but that's not even the point. Point being, um, uh, when I look back at it now, and nobody's ever asked me this before. That's why it's kind of cool to just reflect on it a little bit. Um, it really started with those two brothers that were from like way opposite regions as far as musically than I was and taste and all those type of things that really kind of just put the battery in my back to be like, yo, man, you you nice. You should do this. Um, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, look, that's what it's all about because it's the connections to the culture and people that bring it out of us. Like a prophet doesn't know he's a prophet until he's called. Right. Mm. So that could have been, yeah. that could have been your calling. You see what I'm saying? And obviously it, it was because it propelled, it propelled you to meet new people, see, hear, and experience new regions of thought. And it brought something out of you that led to something great. And the thing is your greatness hasn't stopped. Yeah. And we're not plateauing. We're continually on the on the, on the in incline when it comes to life. You see what I'm saying? So let's talk mm -hmm. about. So let's talk about this. You're from New Jersey. What part of New Jersey are you from? So I grew up in New Brunswick, which is Central Jersey, like uh, Rutgers University. Mm -hmm. um, but my entire family is from is from Newark. Uh, North Irvington area, but primarily Newark. And uh, until my grandmother moved to the South in the late nineties, I would, uh, you know, always be back and forth. So, you know, even in that, it's like a, it's like a really good perspective of knowing how vast Jersey is, you know, at least, at least central and, and, and Northeastern Jersey. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I would say Jersey, I just rep Jersey. Your grandmother moved South where? Uh, well, Virginia, if you want to call it, and you know, you want to call that South. I love this. Okay. And you went back and forth from Virginia to New Jersey. Then I went back and forth from Virginia to Jersey. Yeah. So, and then I would spend a lot of summers until I got like that, that teenage age where I could just do whatever I wanted for myself during the summers. I would spend a lot of time going to Unionville, Virginia, which is at Fredericksburg too, but initially Unionville, Virginia, which is the country which is a whole nother way of life shout out to all my my people in rural uh virginia near uh charlottesville check this out the bible says a man that travels is a good man because he brings knowledge to his people how has traveling from the south in virginia and experiencing new jersey make you a well-rounded individual so you can live this hip-hop life and give the world more than just rhymes oh my god Man, let me tell you, it's everything. 
and I had a conversation about this earlier today because at work we would just have some conversations about regions and stuff like that. Going back and forth to uh, Central and Northern Virginia as a kid is what made me aware of go-go music because that was something I you didn't hear in Jersey at all. But I, I believe the song was called Overnight Scenario, or maybe it's just called Scenario. But um, it was a song he's playing on WPGC 95.5 in Washington, D.C. 12 in the morning. Hey, hey, cows. They be coming to my house. And it's like this, this go-go record. And I would be coming back home from school, and I would kind of like, not really confidently, but kind of like tell my friends, like, yo, you know about this go-go music with the drums and the, and they saying and they kind of like covering uh, R&B songs, but they singing it in this weird way, whatever. So, um, to answer your question, like, it's everything. Travel is everything, because we're being introduced to so much culture. And one thing about, see, because even though hip-hop is our is our culture, there's so much subculture with being black and being just in, in, in the East Coast or the Northeast, let alone traveling all throughout the country. Um, it's, it's, it's everything. You get to soak up so much culture. And if you and if you are uh, if you are a person that doesn't mind learning and humbling yourself to learn other people's cultures, you really learn how dope. That everything is, and then when you mix it into a gumbo, and and you and you take it, because that's that's what we did in hip hop. We took and borrowed from each other. When you're talking about dance hall and reggae, and 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 what we know it's now be hip hop and and soul, you know, break beats from from soul records and all that gumbo and mix it together. That is what it's all about, man. That that's prepared me in so many ways, so many levels of understanding. Even you know, building with my Latin brothers that 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 you know that I grew up with and understanding some of the things that they like and as far as music and stuff like that. Um, yeah, man, I, I would tell anybody. And then as I got older, just traveling abroad and, and, and experiencing that, yeah, there's black people that live in London. Yeah, there's black people that live in Asia, you know, that are, that are black people, you know, African descent people, uh, you know, uh, Asiatic people, um, Travel is everything. It, 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 you might not know how to do algebraic, algebraic equations or you might not be good at science, but if you travel, that is an education that you have for sure. Yes, it is. And shout out to the people checking in from VA. We got an all snap VA comment. Shout out to a and and R&B, which is available on Heritage Hip Hop Podcast at HeritageHipHop.com as well. You can subscribe to a and and R&B on Two YouTube. up, two down. That's it. So check this out. <laughs> I don't want to skip a lot of your story for time's sake. I don't want to, but I do find this interesting. See, I traveled to Alabama okay. later in life when I was um, in college. And I, I have family in D.C. as well. And one thing I realized is when you go to the South, and I mean the South-South, their appreciation mm -hmm. of instruments is deeper than how we appreciate beats up North. Because they create from the soul yeah. and we create from the heart. And when you put heart and soul together, that's usually called rhythm and blues. But in hip-hop, we call that harmony. It's the symphony mm -hmm. of togetherness, right? Because mm -hmm. think about it. In the, when the, in the East Coast, if you don't have the drums, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But in the South, if you don't have rhythm, whether it's the blues or the horns, then how can you bleed from your soul and song? You see what I'm saying? With that mm -hmm. understanding mm -hmm. of music, as I grew, I came to understand that our people are so complex that our simplicities 
are mysteries to the world. What did you learn about mm. yourself that made yeah. you whole and, and made you appreciate yourself more through all this travel and all this development that you got? Man, I feel like I'm, to be honest with you, I feel like I'm still kind of putting that together because I know this is not like a lot of people probably wouldn't admit this, but I'm comfortable to say that I'm still finding out who I am. You know, I, I sit here at 36 years old and I'm still trying to figure out, like I'm, I'm putting all this together as we speak. I think I have a good grasp and a good understanding somewhat of, of the type of man that I am, the morals that I have and the principles that I have. But I mean, you know, uh, I mean, just, just, being able to to understand that um, have an appreciation for the way the simplicity, like we talk about the South, the simplicity of things, like going to the Walmart parking lot and just chilling, listening to beats and and and, and hanging with your homeboys is a vibe on a Friday night. But where I'm from, and you know, and and you know, in Jersey, especially. At the time in my life, maybe that was from my twenties. It was like, no, nah, man, we trying to go to the par like DJ Wallah's doing the Rutgers Newark party or the Montclair party, or maybe we going to the city, you know? Maybe we going to uh to one of these nightclubs, and um, but but still understanding that um, it's one is not better than the other. It's, when you really break it down, it's just the venue and the way that you. But it's all just about what you said—the harmony, the, the 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 togetherness. You know, like with the with the beats, whether it be live instrumentation, maybe you playing the bass and and you, or maybe you beating a steel drum in DC, or maybe you you know you, you playing the keys, or maybe you on the MPC. But you know, it's just, it's different forms of expression. But we all trying to arrive at that same place of togetherness. So I don't know. I I I don't think I'm fully answering your question because I think I'm I think I'm kind of just dancing around because the truth of the matter is I'm still trying to develop and, and, and put together exactly who this guy is I'm looking at in the mirror of the screen, you know? <laughs> nah, you answered it. And shout out to Club Walmart, because that's what you're talking about, right? You talking yeah. about Club Walmart? Yeah. yeah. You don't know about VA. Yeah, you man. You know about Club Walmart. You know what I'm saying? Club Walmart. Walmart is crazy. <laughs> I, I think the first time I experienced that, I was thinking like um, Hampton. Like a yeah, Mercury Boulevard, too. I believe. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Yo, this is this is a thing." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Club Club Walmart was Shout the truth. Where, yeah, man, I love VA. Shout out to Hampton. Shout out to Norfolk State. Shout out to Virginia Union. Yeah. Shout out to everybody out there. You know what I'm saying? Let's yeah, let's continue. To Shout to Petersburg. There you go. Hey, let it out. But here's something I want to bring <laughs> to you. Me, I, I met you. And salute the councilman, do it all, do Dupre Kelly. I met you at his yes. birthday party, right? Shout out to my man, Stress. Stress actually linked us together, right? And then yes. doing some history, doing some history with you, right? And on, on looking at your background and everything, two eleven Media is a very integral part of the infrastructure of the city of Newark, New Jersey. How did yeah. you get down with two eleven Media? How did that lead to you? Putting out an album and getting elected in your <laughs> calling. So, um, man, two. So first of all, uh, two eleven Media Group, two eleven Halsey Street, Newark, New Jersey, right downtown. Uh, do it all. 
man, it's been it's been some years now, but I I, I want to say two thousand and nine. Do it all. Got that building and and, and and built that studio in there, and um, you know it. It for me, it was just going there every day, going there every night, soaking up as much culture and and insight and 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 everything because you got to like I'm I'm in there. I'm watching. I, I I don't remember what project Do It All was working on at the time, but I'm watching him create and i'm watching him do his thing and, and and put his album together but then i'm also seeing tretch come in and he's laying down a verse for, for hakeem green's project uh or or maybe uh elder sensei is coming in and working on something with and rod digger is there and then uh press ock and and, and the old 50 boys are in there and then and and rest in peace to my brother seneca the misfit is driving up from baltimore and he's in there doing things so I, I was just and shout to my man Juan Super Ears who was engineering the whole thing, getting getting everything right. Um, and I was just in there just soaking up everything, man. I would I would write. I would sometimes I you know how it is. Sometimes you be writing the songs, you might not get on the song, but you're still writing your verse because you're trying to you're trying to get in there and, and and get it on. But I think it's in terms of getting my album out and getting my album complete. For me, it was just a, a, a matter of me just wanting it so bad. I would be there every day. I would I, I, I would do whatever was asked of me from do or, or or fluff or whoever was you know um, around. Um, forgive me if I'm if I'm forgetting anyone that was you know holding everything down at the studio. And it it, it came to a point where do was like yo, you all right? Let's work on let, let's make, let's do some songs. Let's let's just start working on some songs. I'm gonna put you with Juan, put you with Super Ears, and let's just start doing some songs. And man, uh, and shout out to my brother Sir Capital producer who has just blessed me beyond belief with with great music. And me and him got together with Juan, and I would be there every night, bro, just creating, writing, recording, making music. And it came to the point where one one time we uh, for a song I have called Finish Line. Trust just came in there and was listening to it, and he was like, "Yo, this shit, this is fire. This is dope." And I didn't, I don't, I don't ever remember asking him to because I wouldn't come out my face like that. But I think maybe Duke was like, "Yo," because uh, he was just mumbling something, saying something about the finish line, and Duke said, "Yo, you want to lay that down?" And then Trutch got in the um, in the booth and, and and did the hook to my record finish line, and I'm like, "This is this is crazy, this is crazy." But as I look back at it, um, you know now. All I can attribute it to is hard work, dedication, and, and just wanting it and just wanting to be the best that I could be at it because everybody was dope. So it, it, it surely wasn't a thing like, yeah, yeah, I, my album came out and I, and, I, and I have these dope videos because I was the best one in there and nobody could fuck with me. Nah, I, 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 wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even say that because there's some incredible talent that has always come through that studio and still coming through that studio. But what I can say is, I worked, I worked, I worked, and I wanted it. I wanted it bad, and I got it, and I did it. Yo, salute to you. Salute to you. We got Chaos, the Rowdy MC, saying, yo, it's all about hard work and dedication. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Peace, Chaos, for sure. On. 
Peace and blessings. Shout out to everybody. Brick City Hip Hop is in the building. Of course, on Heritage Hip Hop. Make sure as you enjoy this, you hit that like button and you subscribe to HeritageHipHop.com because if you love this conversation, this is the type of stuff we do at HeritageHipHop.com. Like, subscribe, share, comment, and let's build some more because I was listening to the song Hell to the Chief, right? And me, Mm -hmm. I'm a connoisseur of delivery and taste. Because when you have taste, you, you you deliver your lyrics in a way where they're easily to be digested and people don't fumble with your understanding. Hell to the Chief oh. seemed to be your introduction to people knowing that you love you and you love what hip-hop is, not you just want to rap. Am I correct? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And unfortunately, I did not get to hear the Election Day Project because I couldn't find it. You know what I'm saying? I did look for it. Yeah, but we're working on that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're working on that. So let me ask you a hip-hop question in an analytical way, as if like we were doing like news or something. Hip-hop is the mm-hmm. cause of many men to find their identity and many men to lose who they are. How did hip-hop solidify mm-hmm. you and not make you lose sight of who you truly are? I mean, just in a simple, the most the, the most simplistic way I could put that is just being around really strong men within the business, not even the business, just within the culture of hip hop, like Do It All and Redman and Tretch and being, uh, uh, you know, around these brothers that knew exactly who they were and are and uh, wouldn't allow me to get on the mic or even just walk around, period, portraying something that I'm not. And, 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 and trying to be another person that's, that I'm sitting next to. So one thing that I was, that I've always been, not maybe not necessarily politics, but I've always been intrigued with, like I said earlier, putting a message out there and putting something out there that's uplifting for the people because I always feel like that's what Nas did for me. And it's so funny now that Do It All is actually a real councilman and a real elected official because <laughs> that was the whole thing around doing this album and 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 and, and this uh, theme I have for it, right? But um, so okay, so let let me explain it this way. So at the time, right, you have Ye is like one of the the big um, artists as as that, that's out, and and I'm a fan of him, right? And one thing that I always appreciated about Ye, a lot of other artists have done this as well, but I'm just using them as an example because this was what was relevant for me, is that he had a thematic album, right? He had a thematic uh, couple of albums. So he had uh, College Dropout, he had Late Registration, and he had Election, uh, no, excuse me, Election Day. He had Graduation. And I was like, yo, I always thought that was dope. I always really thought that that was a clever way to make like a trilogy type of uh, situation. And then graduations when he kind of graduated from that and went to his next thing, right? So, so I was like, yo, at the time, this must have been like '07. I was really infatuated with uh, the the idea of Barack Obama and what that could be and what that could mean. And I thought that was really fly as far as like, wow, black president, but he's you know whatever. And I also uh, at the time, for one reason or another, because I was like a 20-something-year-old kid, but I was like really watching cable news at the time. I was like really like, like I don't know. It was like a thing. I would watch it every night. I would like try to, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm off that nar- narcotic because ain't nothing good with watching a bunch of cable news. But uh, this is this is where I was at at the time of my life. And um, that's when I kind of just started putting it together. 
I'm a dude that loves to put a good message out there through my music. And, um, you know, I, I respect and I'm also infatuated with like what this is and what this is going on. So I built this whole scenario. I, my first album is going to be Election Day. Then my next album is going to be Reelected. And then and then uh, then maybe the, the next album will be Last Turn. Like I, I put it together all that in my head and then I shared it with do it all and all of my contemporaries. And it was like, yeah. And you need to shoot the video where you suited up like the president. Matter of fact, you are the president. That's where the president Kyle will thing came from. People just calling me, started calling me the president. Cause I was like really on it like that. And then shout to sir capital. He brought this beat with these horns and this like regal energy. And all that I kept saying was hell to the chief. And I'm like, yeah, this is the one, this is the shit right here. So I wrote this, I, I wrote that. And um, as far as the delivery, man, a lot of people don't notice about me, too, because I, I mentioned Nas and I mentioned the cash money thing and the no limit thing and some influences. But I love Ice Cube. To me, nobody delivers like Ice Cube. Yay, yay. Like, I, I, I've always like his voice. And I, of course, everybody knows what Ice Cube stands for and like the. I don't want to say political, but the socio uh, power that he has and he's always had from NWA further on and furthermore in his career. So that was that was always big for me when I went out when I when I put down, especially that album, I always wanted to make sure I deliver it like Ice Cube. <laughs> Check this out. I want to read something to you. Chaos, the Roddy MC said, I really needed to hear this. I'm on the same page now, so you let me know I'm on the right path. I appreciate this for real. You don't even know how much it just had Salute. more, more gave more motivation. Salute to us both. Salute to you, Chaos. You know what I'm saying? Salute. Uh, and this is, why the, do that, this is why the interviews are so important because I don't want to ask you questions about your top five and all that. I want the people to really connect with you and know that dreams are attainable because dreams are the beginning of your journey through life. And when you journey through life, always have the end yeah. in mind, not the beginning. You know what I'm saying? And that's what that's why I want to take this interview now, because we talk about you as an artist. But then how did you get into production and how did that lead you to ESPN? Because that's very that's a pivotal step. In yeah. Life. Yeah. yeah. And it was, bro, I, I wish I had like a cool like whatever. I, I obviously I didn't go to school for it because in my 20s and everything, I was I was knee deep. And, and hip hop and, and, and putting out albums and stuff, but uh, shout out to my beautiful wife and, and my firstborn son. Uh, my, my wife got pregnant, uh, then girlfriend, um, and she also got uh, she got uh, inducted. I can't think of the right word, but she got she basically got into the University of Hartford, you know, on a on a doctoral program. And it was a thing like she said, well, I'm, I'm still going to school. I'm going to have this baby and I'm still going to school and I'm going I'm to a, I'm a do it all. So I'm like, I, I'm at a crossroads because I'm like, do I do I stay here and trace this dream and try to you know make this thing work with this hip hop? Or do I go with my, you, you know, with my lady and figure out this whole new life in central Connecticut, which is like scary and and and, and I'm go and I go up there and I'm like this is uh, this is terrible. This is I don't this is like rural. I don't like it here. But I'm like, yo, but it's a bigger thing that I need to to accomplish. And I kind of basically just put my whole hip hop dreams and all that on hiatus. Uh, at the time it was just hiatus and I was like, yeah, well you know, this is something more important for me right now. So I went to Connecticut and bro, 
I worked at Banana Republic. I worked at UPS at night. Then I got a job at like the sneaker store. Like when I tell you, I was just doing whatever just to like scrape a couple of dollars together. And it was very humbling because I I don't want to say I was at the lowest time of my life because I wasn't. I was excited to be a father at the same time. And I was like figuring this out. And I was like, yo, whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, yo, I, I had FOMO because I'm like, yo, what's going on back in Newark? Like what's going on with, with the whole music thing? And I'm seeing social media, which doesn't make it any better because then you feel like everybody's just passing you and right, whatever. Anyway, fast forward. I started listening to this thing called Tax Season with Tax Stone and the Joe Button Podcast. This is like 2015, 2016. And I'm like, what is this? This is like talk radio, but on demand. I had no idea what a podcast was, you know, besides like, you know, stuff on Apple that, that the icon that pops up that I never paid attention to. So I started listening to them. And then I'm like, y'all can do this. So I start kind of making my own and kind of like just like what we're doing right now, you know, but very informal, not as polished as this, just just talking and just getting a knack for it. Long story short, there's an opening, because ESPN, for people that don't know, ESPN is in Bristol, Connecticut. It's in this like town in the middle of nowhere in Connecticut. That's where the headquarters are. And I'm like, okay, so, all right, let me, let me try to figure this out. So I apply, apply, a bunch of different things. Of course, I don't have any experience. I never worked in television. I, nothing gets back. But then there's an opening for an associate uh, editor for a podcast. And I'm like, oh, that's the shit. That's what I'll be listening to. The pod, the Joe Buttons thing, the old podcast stuff. So I'm like, I could do this. You know, and, and, and I know, you know, I've been in the studio, so I know how to work my way around Pro Tools and stuff like that. So, yeah, I can do this. And I had an end because I had somebody that, um, you know, could, could speak for me and kind of get me in as far as a tour and stuff like that. And by the grace of God, man, I got hired at ESPN to do this very like entry level position. But one thing they call it your orientation at ESPN is called rookie camp. And at rookie camp, one thing they always tell you is that you're you're here on this campus. Everybody is equal. Whether it's Stephen, because everybody's attainable, whether it's Stephen A. Smith over here or the guy that works in the cafeteria, we all are in the same space. And I took that to heart because they tell you to network and I network with people. I would be up in people's offices. I'd be taking meetings. I'd be walking around with people. I would, I would do my job and then I would go on and just walk around and like talk to everybody and, and like befriend as many people as I can and learn as much as I can. And, and I mean, make a long, long story short, by then I, I had created ESPN's music, uh, music and sports podcast called ESPN Music with L. Duncan, who's the homie, shout to L. Duncan and Jason Fitz. And I mean, like, yo, just doing my, like, doing my due diligence. We interviewed Organized Noise. We interviewed uh, Do It All, of course. We interviewed like, so many people. And you know, even though that show wasn't very successful, it like put me in a in a mode where like, yo, I'm a producer. I can really do this. And then, you know, I, we, we can I, I, I don't want to go too far ahead. But um, my my introduction to ESPN was just that, bro. It was just me living in Connecticut, trying to figure it out and stumbled upon a career. <laughs> What was the what was the highlights of ESPN and what was the lesson that you learned during the lowlights? The highlight was 
every every day, every opportunity I got to swipe a badge and go in there and and like and be okay. That that's true. That's kind of corny. I'm gonna keep it real. I'm a Giants fan, so a highlight was definitely meeting Victor Cruz. That was dope. That, I ain't gonna I ain't gonna hold you. Meeting Victor Cruz was real dope. Chopping it up with him, Jersey guy. <laughs> the low light was there was a brother named David Cummings who's from Montclair. Actually, he would drive like two days a week um, to to Bristol. He was the first person that kind of worked from home in that hybrid schedule, which was like unheard of back then. But now everybody does it, right? So, uh, but uh, he kind of took me under his wing, and he kind of because he was a magazine guy, so he kind of taught me how to like, you know, think about production in a different kind of way, not just record, record, live tape, whatever, and. Um, we befriended each other and I looked at him like a, cause he was an OG in the game. So I looked at him as like a, kind of like a, a, a men, you know, a mentor. Anyway, the low light was he got caught up in these layoffs. Like he was a, a, a great, you know, uh, worker for lack of a better term, as far as like in his career, he was an OG, he knew exactly what he was doing, but he got caught up in some of these layoffs that was going on at ESPN at the time. And it really taught me, as a, as a low light thing, working in a corporate setting that no matter, <laughs> no matter how good you are at your job, no matter how great people like you and all of that stuff, when you work in settings like that, when they look at that, when they look at the budget and they look at the line items and they've got to make cuts to make things work for whatever reason, you know, the first thing to go is always going to be people. People are always going to be the first thing that they can easily write off the books. And that was like a, a, a a sad awakening for me because that was really my first time working in a really super corporate, even though it was sports and it's media and it's fun, it's still corporate. And that was my first look at how the world really works as far as in, in that setting and how, how cold it can be. Cause it was like, yo, I just talked to him the other day and we were talking about doing another tent pole event for the NBA Christmas day games. And now <laughs> his email bounced back. Like this person is, is no longer here and you know, whatever. So that was, that, that day was, that day sucked, man. Unfortunately, I've seen, that was my first time seeing something like that. It, it hasn't been my last. Seeing stuff okay. Like that. Let me go to a comment. CND said things happen for a reason. There's a reason why you had to leave Jersey might not be clear right away, but they came full circle. Cause Hey, you're back. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I'm back. Talk, yeah, that too. <laughs> I, I want to ask you this because as time moves on in our lives, we all have to face some type of opposition or some obstacle that we have to overcome. The pandemic yep. did a lot to a lot of people. We lost good people. We lost people who were regular people who just went outside to feed their families, not just people who... Um, celebrities and so kiss it a great i lost family i lost friends hip-hop lost right. k slay we lost fred the godson Same. and many more i wanted to take anybody out but we lost a lot of people and the pandemic was one of the hardest gut checks we all had to go through that taught us that life yeah. is a journey right where did the pandemic yep where did, where did you fall in the pandemic and how did you make sure you didn't fall to the pandemic as well? So much with that, man. Um, yeah. So on one side of it, professionally, 
because I was working for ESPN at the time in New York, um, doing the radio stuff. And that's when I made my transition to uh, working at Spotify because I said that I'm not going to be one of these people that have to go out and be and be out. I want if I can get paid to do something remote and do something at home and something that I'm interested in. So that was that side of it. So that was a big transition for me. But um, the, the crazy thing about the pandemic, especially in the summer of 2020, that was a low, weird, very weird time for me because it was also the time of, of George Floyd and everything that was going on. And I went into this like really introspective, deep hole of searching for something to make sense. So it started out as me understanding and, and, and reading and watching YouTube videos of like Baldwin and Malcolm and, 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 re, and rereading the autobiography of Malcolm X and then, you know, finding knowledge in this person and that person and looking into uh, Dr. Sebi teachings and stuff like that. And then I just kind of started going down rabbit holes of, of, of learning and learning and being angry and, and, and trying to find out what's the correlation between this and this. And then learning about the Spanish flu of 1901 or whatever it was. And then kind of realizing how, wow, these things are cyclical. Like, you know, they, they don't... <laughs> They, they, they happen over and over. And, you know, to, 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 to for lack, you know, make a long story short, I found myself in the pandemic going really deep into an introspective rabbit hole of, quite frankly, shit that I had to pull myself out of because it got to a point where it wasn't healthy. I, I was just like neglecting everybody to, 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 to go lock myself in a room and watch YouTube videos. And not in like a self-help, like I'm trying to learn how to fix a, <laughs> try to fix the drain, or, you know, or, or whatever type of shit. Like I'm trying to like, I don't even know what I'm looking for. I'm just trying to find answers to shit that might not even be there. So aside from like the, you know, the, the sheer by definition what the pandemic was and the medical and, and people passing away, which I as well lost a lot of people. God bless. That was, that was also very hard. Um, but it was just like the, the isolation uh, and, and the time to just like try to make sense of it all. I'm, I'm, I don't regret it because I challenged myself in a way that I learned a lot more than any school ever challenged me to do it. I did it for myself. So in that part, in, in that side, it's, it was beneficial. But other than that, man, it was just weird, man. It was just, it was, it, it wasn't healthy. So here's one thing though. You said you worked at Spotify, so you had something to do. When a lot of people, you you were essential. You were you held the like, lines later on. I started like in, like, yeah, yeah. But the, later, like, I started there like in in October. So okay. during that summer, I was just like a rabbit hole. But sorry, not to cut you off. So. No, no, you good? Because I want to understand because um. I think it's time we get to our point. The one, one, one part of the show that I call "Let's Build," because you um, going to Spotify got to show you the ins and outs of the future of the culture, which is streaming, media, people giving their ideas out all over the broad spectrum, and that's how people are getting free range to music and information today. With that, with tell me about. Yeah. To, all right, before we get too deep into that, when you started working at Spotify, what is it exactly that you did and what were you doing to keep yourself ahead of the culture, not just working? Yeah. 
I I worked on uh, Spotify's first uh, flagship morning show, which was called The Get Up. It was uh, it was a morning show from about five and well, I would work from about five in the morning to like maybe two in the afternoon, and it it it, it, it was a myriad of things. So we talked about news, uh, you know, pop culture, sports, music, of course, and, and we did a lot of other like cool things, games and stuff like that. And what I was able to do. Uh, to keep myself sane and also to to be creative was I, I challenged myself to to take all of what was going on and channel it in a really uh, creative way. So what I mean by that is like um, I created this segment that was on this, this show called uh, City of Rural. And City of Rural on its face is like a funny game because you hear a bunch of different news stories with crazy things or like weird things or cool things that could have happened all over the country. And then the host had to guess this happened in a city or a rural location. That was the shtick. But my my meaning for that underneath all of that was, look, man, you got to it's so divisive right now. You got people that don't 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 want to talk to these people and it's it's just and you got people protesting and it's crazy and people fighting and whatever so this was like my kind of like uh come together way not in a corny way though on its face it was just a funny game but to really show people like yo i give you a news clip you just read it for what it is at face value without any like giveaway details and you don't know if this happened in Newark or you don't know if this happened in Keyport, or you don't know if this happened in Baton Rouge, or you don't know if this happened in, uh, you know, and wherever. Uh, and and that and that was one of the ways on that show that I was able to channel my um, channel my frustrations and everything like that, and also kind of like, to, you know, help help all of us, help myself and everybody else try to uh, come together, if you will. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and then of course with the music, it was an opportunity to program some shit that I like, some shit that I thought was dope, you know, and, 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 and give it, it's just due. I mean, it was, that show was incredible. I could, we could do a whole podcast or something what, what that show did for me at that time. <laughs> and maybe we will. Look, you always are welcome to come back. Um, but see, working at Spotify, what intrigues me Appreciate is Spotify, that. Spotify and social, no, streaming media has now become the forefront of the culture, which I think is very dangerous because now we're losing the tangibility of hip hop culture to the mainstream norm of streaming. So I asked you a question that was asked to me by a good, a good, I mean, sorry, a great interviewer, Miss T Quest of the Fleet DJs, uh, 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 L, DJ L Nino. The Fleet DJs. They asked me, where do I see hip hop in the next five years? And I said, I feel hip hop has to, will be more tangible because streaming is so normal that people are now is fiending for something to touch when they, when they experience hip hop. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Do you think hip hop culture will become more tangible or do you think we will continue streaming and enjoying the nothing that becomes something? Yeah, I, 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 I will have to agree with you. I do think that hip hop is going to be more tangible. I think that the tech industry overall is having an awakening right now because it grew so big and ballooned so much over the past couple of years, especially a product of the pandemic was people were a lot 
home a lot more. So they invest a lot more into these things where they could be, you know, isolated, enjoy music and podcasts and stuff like that. And now that people are back outside, we normality is kind of setting back in and it's like, whoa, this behemoth of an industry, this tech industry isn't what we thought it was. This was just a season, right? Okay, so to answer your question, I think hip-hop, people are always going to want to reach out and, and see and touch and feel the artist, so to speak. So one thing that I know, and this is public knowledge, so I'm not giving anything away here. One thing that, you know, like streaming giants are, are going to start doing is uh, p- putting a button where you can purchase concert tickets, like because of geofencing, that you're going to be able to purchase con- concert tickets of your favorite artists that you're listening to on the app from the same browser, right? From the app. Like you pull up uh, Lil Uzi Vert, you like him, you like that song. Oh, because of geofencing, I know that Lil Uzi Vert is going to be at the Prudential Center on uh, you know, February 14th. So from right there, I can purchase that ticket. And I think in the perspective of hip hop, what that does as far as tangible, something tangible, it, it takes somebody that's like maybe like not really a hip hop fan, maybe didn't grow up in the culture, but just likes the music and gives them uh, at least an opportunity to step out of this and so, you know, this place where they are with just the headphones or just the AirPods and just listening to the music, go out to the show and then feel that real hip hop energy. And one thing we know about hip hop and this energy and it, the, how captivating it is, it could change somebody's whole uh, experience as far as like lo- liking or loving hip hop. Like I would challenge anybody, go see, you want to see real hip hop, go to a Red and Meth show and see what them brothers do live on stage. And you'll have a whole different appreciation for a lot. I mean, shit, I heard Run DMC is doing a very last show at Madison yeah. Square Garden in April. At, at this age that they are now, I challenge anybody to go see Run DMC, do what they do live on stage. Um, people, hip hop is, is never going to lose its authenticity and, and, and it's uh, and it's wanted to be tangible because it's literally still to this day a youth culture. And it's still not a youth culture, excuse me, but it's a culture that comes from the youth from uh from the streets, but also just from the, it, it could even be in a, in a rural place. It's just that auth- authenticity of people coming from struggle. That's something from nothing. So that spirit of hip hop is always going to be about community and getting together, whether it be at a party, a concert, uh, a, a protest, you know, uh, F Donald Trump was like one of the, and, and, and Kendrick Lamar records was the lead records leading protests back in 2020. That, you know, that's, that's hip hop, you know. It's always going to be in the mix of whatever the gathering is because it's the vibe and it's the energy. I don't, I don't think streaming could ever dilute what hip hop is at its at its core. It's just like everything else that the music industry and business does. It kind of just kind of like distracts us and kind of dilutes or whatever. But I mean, look, we 50 years into this thing officially in 2023. I don't think it's going nowhere. It's still going to be tangible. The museum is about to open up. People are going to be going and getting that and doing that. So yeah, hip hop, the, 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 the reach out and touch it is it's not going anywhere. I think, and I'm, I'm going to ask you two more questions on this and then we're going to close out on you. Um, Sure. The scariest thing about where hip hop is going is going to be led by the AI culture now, because now you see we have AI music oh. videos, 
We had an AI yeah. rapper. Yeah. And now the and now I saw I saw on the news post yeah. they're gonna make they're gonna make AI porn. And I'm like, how? And yeah. if that's yeah. and, and I'm not saying that we got we got all gotta get in porn culture never. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if you take mm -hmm. the touch, the spirit, and the feel out of something, you're working with a soulless dead entity, and that's not what hip hop yeah. is. Where do you see yeah. AI culture going? And do you see hip hop being combative against it? It's scary, man. It's scary. And I hope so. I hope so. I hope we fight like World War Three against all that automation because it's scary. First of all, it's robots. It's going to take all of like, like you, you just listed everything. So it's no need for me to say it again. But yeah, like, bro, that is scary. Very scary. And we should do everything we can do to make that a cool novelty. Like maybe that's something every once in a while that can, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, I got my virtual DJ here. Oh, I just made a song because I typed in some code and I created this. Yeah, but that should not be like the fact that a virtual artist got signed to a major record label is disgusting to me, for one. For two, it's scary, like you said. And also, out of everything that I just said, and I still believe everything I just said about hip-hop and the strength and it's being tangible, that's the one thing, and it was a great question, it was a great follow-up, because that's the one thing that I'm like, yo, man, I don't know. That's scary. Hey, it is. I don't have a great answer for that. Man. But you do, because <laughs> you are the chief, and you're the president of this hip-hop thing. You've been <laughs> elected, and I want to ask you, being the president of hip-hop, what do you tell your people when it comes to where the culture is, where it's going, and how you're going to be in the forefront of making sure hip-hop stays hip-hop. What do you say? I say continue to, to, to keep the dialogue open. And what I mean by that is if you are 55, 50, 45, and you're used to a certain type of hip-hop, which is fine because, you know, we, we love what we love. Or if you're 35 or 36 or 40, just at least tap in a little bit and see what that 16, 17, 18, 25-year-old TikTok drill, whatever, is going on. Because just like anything else, and it's, you know, at the top, and you know, what you can see on the on the surface is always going to be like, okay, I'm not into that, whatever. But there are some, some, some jewels within there and some things that you will find that you like. Uh, that you can at least somewhat uh, uh, resonate with. And I would say the same thing for that age group to go back and do your There's no reason for a 21-year-old to say, I don't know who Rakim is. I don't know who who Kane is. I don't know who Cool Herc is. I never saw Wild Style. You know, it's it, it's no excuse for, with the technology that we have in our finger. I can, you can literally find all the stuff at your fingertips with all the technology that we just uh, talked about. So and I, the reason I say that uh, is because we need to bridge the gap. I say as President Cowell, we need to continue to bridge this gap because one thing that we're not doing in hip hop and in just black culture, period, is, 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 is it's, it's a big divide. We're not talking to each other. Generationally, we're not talking to each other. It's like, oh, man, these Gen Z kids, man, they soft. They're a bunch of, um, you know, they, 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 they soft, but it's like, 
okay, uh, in certain ex- in certain aspects, I get what people are saying, but also this is the generation that's also saying, nah, we're not doing it like that no more. I don't care if this is how it's always been done. We're not doing it like that no more. We don't care. We're not going into your job and working. We're working from home. You know, this, if nothing else, and I mean, maybe that's not a good example because that's more of a millennial thing, but, I, but you know what I mean? Like this generation is, is speaking out. And I think that's very, that is not soft. That, it takes bravery to speak out against the establishment. And Gen Z also, you need to also see that nothing is new under the sun. And these same things that you see Kendrick Lamar talking about on his latest album is stuff that Nas talked about. It's stuff that Rakim talked about, you know, and he was inspired by a bunch of jazz musicians and, 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 and countless people before him. So nothing is new under the sun. So we need to continue this dialogue and, and, and continue loving each other. Continue genuinely loving each other. If it's a Lincoln Park Music Festival, it should be the tri- the drill trap rappers and it should be the golden era rappers out there. And hell, and bring out some some house uh, people too on, on Sunday during the hip-hop day and let's bridge the gap all the way across the board. So so say the press. Amen. <laughs> yeah, and we just built. So for everybody out there that like what we talked about, please follow heritagehiphop.com, but Prez, give them your social media if they would like to, if you would like to build with them and they want to build with you as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me say this really quick first. I love this platform. I love your show. I love the professionalism that you have as a host, the way you articulate everything. And I'm I'm in this business as well. So that's not me blowing smoke. That's true flowers. And I appreciate you bringing me on your platform. But you can check me out at on Instagram at Kai Will Media. That's K-Y-W-I-L-L-M-E-D-I-A, Kyle Media. And on Twitter, even though I'm not on Twitter as much, it's at Kyle 211, 211. That's K-Y-W-I-L-L 211. All right. So everybody out there that heard that, thank you for the um, kind words. I appreciate it. I would like to look, I'll look forward to working and speaking with you in the future as well because one thing as you said we don't communicate in hip-hop a lot of people don't establish relationships and that's one thing that kills us as a people all the time you know what i'm saying shout out to to my man it's true your network can be your net worth man you know it really can so before we finish out the show thank you everybody for listening but this is the fun part of the show that I have where I put people on the hot seat. Are you ready for this? You, you want to take this challenge? All right, let's get it. All right, this is the rapid fire I think fire so. Questions. I mean, I, I don't know what's coming, but... <laughs> yeah, nobody does. <laughs> so this is the rapid fire questions. The rapid fire <laughs> questions are not yes, no questions. These are questions that define okay. you and how you understand the hip-hop culture. You ready to go? Ready. Okay. Question one. One of my favorite questions. What album or song from another artist clearly defines you as a person? Album or song? The, uh, you said album or yes. song? Oh, man. Defi- Mis- Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. It's episodic. It goes into so many different emotions. 
the 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 classroom thing going back and forth. It's, it's like it's like a play. It's like watching a Broadway play. The way she did that, it's a phenomenal piece of work. Shout out to Mary Ross Baraka, who was who was on that uh, work. Uh, of course, I love the music, and it defines me because it really is a, a young girl, in my opinion, who's constantly searching for herself, and she's like introspective. They don't. She's not even there. She's just like searching for, for Laura Hill. Okay. I respect that. Question number two. Hip hop is turning 50 years old, which means hip hop is a young man or woman. Hip hop has not been around for eons yet. And the voice mm -hmm. of hip hop has gone beyond the street corner. It's going into the business room, the classroom, and to politics. Where do you want to see hip hop reach that it hasn't gotten to yet that would impress you and inspire you for more? That's a good question because I think hip hop is everywhere. It's on every corner. I've been to Sri Lanka, which is in Southeast Asia, and hip hop is out there. So I think, oh, what do I want? I, I want, you know what? I want hip hop to reach, I want real hip hop to reach Gen Z. And no disrespect to the hip hop that we have right now, but I want the soul, I want that. 25 year old that 15 year old hip-hop to to reach to reach this this current gen z this current generation because i think as far as space and region it's everywhere as far as like you said it's in the boardroom it's in the the surgeons are listening to hip-hop as they probably doing your your your, your acl surgery like it's everywhere but I, but I want, I want us to get back to basics and and, and embrace the heart of it with this new generation because I think that's some, some, some work that can, that can really do some healing for our community. Okay. Question number three. Hip hop has gone everywhere. So we had a president who was kind of hip hop, and he loves sports. So he got mm -hmm. into the NCAA tournament. People put him in the songs, right? My president's black. My is black, whatever, right? Hip-hop, to mm -hmm. me, I didn't see it go to the next level until Milestone Comics and Allen Iverson transcended hip-hop into other genres. So comic books and sports. Yeah, man. Is there one person outside yeah. of that, the, the hip-hop music genre, that made you hip-hop come alive for you in another part of life? Um, AI is a good one because nobody revolutionized hip hop culture and professional sports like he did, and that's just a, a, a fact. For me, um, damn, that's such a good question. I, I'm trying to flip through, flip through fast. I can't think of one particular individual because I'm thinking about all the different facets. I'm thinking about hip -hop. all right. I, I'll give you one. Just because it's off the top of my head, I'll, I'll be kicking myself later when I think of it. But uh, rest in peace to Stuart Scott from ESPN. Even though I know it's sports, but this is like sports media because the the swag that he brought to Sports Center, like they all try to do that now. You know, <laughs> I might have another one. I'll probably text you to, uh, if I get another one later. <laughs> but that's a great one. Cool it in the other side of the pillow. He made Sports Center a show. <laughs> Stuart, rest in peace yes. to Stuart Scott. That was a great one. All right, I got two more <laughs> yeah. questions. Two more questions, and then we're sure. going to fade to black. Um, you already said how you like being on Heritage Hip Hop. 
one of the best, if not the best, interview podcast you'll see in New Jersey hip hop right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put even, even beyond New Jersey. Let's go. But I want to mm-hmm. ask you. I want to ask you this: When it comes to hip hop, you've already been in the booth. If you rhyme with some royalty when it comes to hip hop, if you could go back in the booth and reclaim your spot as an MC, what would, how can I say this? How would you build your album so people could understand you and not just enjoy the music that you make? I, I would really introspectively tap into what I was going through and what I was, what I believe and what everything that's going on in my life at that time. So right now, you know, a father, God that works within media. I would tap into all of that that's going on right now because do it all always instills in me that hip hop and, and you know the MCing is is you telling a story of how you live the culture. And the way I live the culture now is different than even than the way I live the culture during election day and when I did Hell to the Chief. So first of all, that album is just gonna be uh, a peak or glance into what my life is uh, on all different facets to having the, the good times, you know, like, like we were a couple of weeks ago at do it all's party and the party and, and, and what it looks like on that level, some, maybe, maybe a slick way to slay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rubbing shoulders with the city officials type of talk, you know, and then it's also father life. And it's also like, what is what it's like to 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 be the dude that's coming into the PTO meet, meeting with the hoodie on and the headphones on and the sweatsuit on, but about my business and about taking care of my children, not on no foolishness. You know, it's about being a husband and it's about sacrifice and it's about uh, not being the most important person uh, in, in in the room in my family. You know, all of those things. This is very long winded, but all of those things are gonna be what my album is about. Cause I'm not, I don't hip hop by telling you a bunch of shit that that I'm not living and I'm not going through. And I think it's cool, and I'm a, and I'm gonna say it in a cool way. And if it's for you and you tap into it, then it's for you. And if it's not for you, then it's not for you. But I'm not about to um, talk about how many of Mary Jeans I own, you know, how many rapes I'm in, and and, and how many trips I'm going on. Cause that's not my life, right? All right. Here's the last question before the final question. I never skip on somebody talking about parenthood. And we give back to the culture in many ways, through our jobs, through our community relationships, and through our families. The Most High made it so I'm a preschool teacher. So I give back to the culture by teaching these three and four and five-year-olds and showing them a man can be more than somebody on the corner that's doing something crazy. That somebody as a man Mm -hmm. can be loving, can be an instructor, can be a teacher, and can be an outlet for positive energy. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And one thing that yeah. humbles a man is children. And I want to give you a shout out for being a father, an active participating father, especially because I found the dealing with my stepson and his basketball team, the coaching and the women there were just like, the men have taken over so much that we don't have nothing to do with it. And we're happy because the stereotype of men of color is that we're always absentee fathers. So before we end this, I want to ask you something about your sons and you, how has fatherhood made you a better MC? And how did it make your 
impacting your words in life more efficient and proficient as you give them? Yeah, just being measured and understanding that. I always thought that words were powerful, but really understanding that, you know, being impressionable and being intentional. Um, dude, like, like it, you know this too, but for everybody that's listening, the way, the the truths and the words and the and the way that you even carry yourself before you even open your mouth to speak in front of children can shape and mold the rest of their life if you say or do the right or wrong thing and um and also listening and also listening I, I, the, the the listening uh you know has sharpened tremendously because there's I'll tell you I have a seven year my oldest is, is seven and I have a four year old I've learned so much from this kid about life just through him questioning things and listening to the way that he thinks about the world from his view that things that I won't even question because back going to the Gen Z it's just that's just the way it is but it doesn't have to be man bro I mean, I'm starting to ramble because I'm just thinking about all that stuff. So I want to make sure I'm answering your question correctly. But yeah, like just just being just being measured and purposeful and intentional with my words. That's dope. Because everybody out there, let me tell you something. The Bible says that God's words are like the rain. They go out and they don't come back. Those words go out and they do mm. what they do. So be mindful of what you say because you don't know how you're inspiring somebody or crushing their spirit. So be careful what yeah. you say and be careful and, what and you And we mean. all mess up, man. We, we all yeah, mess we up. Do. So if you say something wrong, it's not the point of no return. Uh, uh, totally. But you, but it is. It, that Sometimes that damage isn't reversible, unfortunately. Well, we've got to the last question of this great interview. Uh, it's been a pleasure to get to meet you and talk to you. And I hope we talk many, many, many more times. You see what I'm saying? This was, we will. This was excellent. This was excellent. And I appreciate this. Another Thanks. another classic interview on Heritage Hip Hop. But I got to hit yes, you sir. with the last question. And this is the yeah. most important question of the first interview. So it means when you come back, oh, I got all different questions. So you don't even got to worry about this. This is in the books. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the most important question I ask for the first interview is this. 500 years from now, your digital footprint and your legacy is going to be recorded, whether social media or in a book. And you're going to inspire your son, 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 sons, whatever, and the world that listens to you. So the most important question I have for you in the first interview is this. Is this. What is the legacy you left behind that made the world better because you did hip-hop? I, with some exaggerations, I left the world my story and the good, the bad, and the ugly of the way that I navigated through this crazy maze we call life and take all of the triumph and the desperation and, and uh, depression, rather, you know, everything that I went through everything that you read in that, that book, everything that you see, take that as, 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 as instructions on how to apply it to, 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 to what you're, to, to what you're going to do is what I wanted. And some variation of that way is what I wanted to say, because I'm, 
I, I would never say that I'm the most impactful speaker or the best rapper or the best producer or the, the, the host that, 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 you know, the host with the most, uh, none of those things. I just, I just want to be my most true and authentic self. And if that can, like the brother Chaos, shout to you that's listening. And if that along the way can inspire people in any kind of way, then I'm humble uh, because I'm, I don't like, I, I don't even know if that's, I don't even know if people care enough to, you know, continue to listen sometimes. So um, I, I wanted to be instructions for you to, to look how I live my life. And I hope it can help you live yours to the best of your ability. So for everybody, that's a little there, corny, but true. No, 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 that's dope. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, for everybody out there watching or listening, the point of your life is not to live to yourself; it's to grow, travel, understand, and give the world your story. Because through your example, not only are you showing the world themselves in the mirror, but you're making them check themselves against the world as they look through their own mirror. Because remember, when you look in the mirror, you're only a reflection of what you truly are. You give the world mm, yourself. You have to give the world yourself to realize the man or woman that you are meant to be because that's what's going to change your world, yourself, and make the world better. So with that being said, this is Karev, a heritage hip-hop with my brother, Kyle Will. And my brother. we out of here. So with that being said, any last words? Anything? Anything? Nah, man. Just treat people. Just treat people how you want to be treated. That's an old adage, but it just it never gets old. Treat people how you want to be treated. And with that said, peace. And we out. We thank you for listening to this broadcast of the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. We ask that you follow us at heritagehiphop.com for more podcasts, blogs, merch, interviews, and more. Follow us on all social media at Heritage Hip Hop. And stream your favorite podcast, the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast, wherever podcasts are streaming. Thank you. Have a good night and peace.